Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. All right, let's turn in our Bibles, if you have a Bible, to Hebrews chapter 12. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of what I call unshakable grace. Unshakable grace. Amen. So let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we just come to you this morning. I thank you, Father, for your grace. I thank you that you feed us with food, which is our portion, like Solomon prayed. Father, you know exactly what each one of us in this room needs today. You are fully aware of all of our need. And Lord, we come to you as the God who's able and willing and desirous to meet every single need that we have. So we open our hearts to you this morning. Amen. Can you say that, Heavenly Father? I open my heart to you. I open my ears to hear what you want me to hear today. And I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. It says, Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and a godly fear. So I guess my first question would be, what is the kingdom of God? We have, the apostles telling us, we have received a kingdom. And to define it a little bit, because it's not really the message today, but to define it a little bit, I would say the kingdom of God is the sum of all that God possesses. Everything he has is, 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 is a part of that kingdom. And Jesus tells us in John's Gospel, chapter 17, that all that the Father has he gave to Jesus. And then Jesus said, all that I have, I've given to you. Right? So you and I are a part of this wonderful thing called the kingdom of God, and it includes everything that God has. How many know there's really no such thing as lack? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not that word to want really could be translated to lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. There's nothing that is not available to you or I in the kingdom of God that we need. And if you can't get it in the kingdom of God, you don't need it. Amen. And it's available for us through Christ Jesus. It's all of ours, so we've received this kingdom. And the kingdom of God is constantly expanding because every time somebody else gets saved, they come into the kingdom and the kingdom expands. And guess what comes in the kingdom with them? Everything they own. How many know when you got saved, your car got saved too? <laughs> your house got saved, man. Your dog got saved. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Everything got saved. Everything became, your wallet got saved. That's right. It all became a part of that wonderful kingdom. And so, so now it's his. And see, everything that's yours is his. You say, well, I got to give everything up. No, 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 no. Wait a second. You get everything he's got. 
How many know he kind of gets the raw end of the deal on that one? Isn't that right? Amen. Praise God. No, you come into this kingdom and all that is, is available for you as a believer, you can access through the grace of God. That's what we want to talk about today. I want to talk to, to us in a way that helps us to expand our thinking. And we, when we begin to look beyond the limitations of the mind, in the, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet was speaking, and he was talking about the children of Israel when they refused to go into the promised land. And God was speaking, and he was a bit angry about it, and he said, uh, they have limited the Holy One of Israel. The thing that hurt the heart of God more than anything else was he had led millions of people out of bondage through the wilderness right to the edge of the promised land. Think about that. And God's saying, now I've given it to you. Go get it. How I many know Because just because he gave it to you doesn't mean you're going to get it? You got to get it. That'd be a good sermon title. You got to get it. Right? And they wouldn't. They refused. After all of that, after seeing the Red Sea open wide up to them and they walked through it on dry land, after seeing God destroy their enemies, after manna falling out of the sky, after God feeding them, after God did everything he did to care for them and bring them to this place so that they could enter into this promised land that he gave them, and they refused to go in. Hmm. Wow. We don't want to be like that, Amen. How many want it? Sometimes you have to fight for it. Amen. There's giants in that land, but that's another story. But this kingdom is immovable and unshakable. And we live in a world that's shaking all the time. There's a whole lot of shaking going on, as they say. And in the uh, these next few scriptures I want to look at, it speaks to that for just a minute. So first of all, Luke 21, verse 25. We can get that one up there. Everybody uh, read this out loud. Ready? Read together. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distresses of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, Keep going. Men's hearts failing them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and oh, glory. <laughs> now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. This is talking about what we call eschatology or end time things. Anytime you have the word, anytime you have ology in the word, it means the study of something. So psychology is the study of the psyche, right? Theology is the study of theos, which is God, which is kind of impossible, really. But anyway, but eschatology is the study of end time things. And how many know it's important to understand that we are in the last days? How many know we're in the last day? See, Peter said on the day of Pentecost, when he was describing what the Holy Spirit was doing, he said, this is what the, the prophet Joel said, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit. So Peter was calling the day of Pentecost the last days. How many know that was 2,000 years ago? 
So I mean, no, if that was the last days, then for sure these are the last days. The last of the last days. Thank you. And like one man said, even if they're not the last days, they're my last days. So, <laughs> right? That's exactly right. So we're at the end of things as we know it. That's not to put fear in us. That's to put expectation in us. Jesus said, when these things begin to happen, you know, um, climate change and all the stuff they're talking about and tornadoes and how these things are escalating, that's no accident. Jesus said, when that happens, that's birth pangs. That's the earth being in travail. Wow. How many ladies in here ever had a baby? How many know it's kind of a bit painful? How many men are glad you're not women? <laughs> I, I was there when Josh was born. I watched the whole thing. Thank God I was watching. Um, but it's, travail is a, it's a pressured situation because it's giving birth to something. See? So the Lord is, is, is preparing for this great thing when our redemption draws nigh, when Jesus comes back. And how many know he's coming? How many know he's going to come down out of heaven with the hosts of heaven? And every eye is going to see him. He's going to descend and somehow God's going to roll back the sky like a scroll. And we're going to appear and we're going to appear and, and look right into heaven itself. And God's armies and the angels are all coming together. And Jesus is going to descend onto the, the uh, Mount of Olives. And, and if you know about Jerusalem, there's a wall, there's a gate, the eastern gate that has been blocked off for nearly 2,000 years now. And he's going to enter through that gate. So he's going to come down with the hosts of heaven and he's going to walk. Amen. The glorified Lord is going to, and we're going to see it. Amen. Amen. Are y'all excited about that? <laughs> How many think that's going to be cool? How many know we, we could be alive when that's happening? I mean, we will be alive, but I mean, we could be, you know, it could happen any time is what I'm trying to say. Amen. But what's happening? Men's hearts fail them for fear. If ever that's been true in my lifetime, now I see it more predominantly than ever before. People are afraid. They're not sure. You see? Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 4. But this know that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of that which is good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Do we see that in our society today? Hmm? Of course we do. And I'm not saying this to be critical or anything. I'm just trying to, to, to draw this point out. 
that we're living in these times. And, and uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. Let's go there real quick. <clears throat> this is Peter's sort of synopsis of all of that. <coughs> 1 Peter 1, 24. Because, look at this, all flesh is as grass. Everybody say that. All flesh is as grass. Tell your neighbor, turn to somebody next to you and say, all flesh is as grass. What happens? The grass withers, the flower fades. All the glory of man is as the flower of glass. All that people do, all that men. See, we don't come into church. This is a little side note. But we don't come to church to hear what men have to say. Right? You didn't come here to hear my great ideas. Lord, help us. You want to connect and understand what the Spirit of God is saying. We want to understand because the Scripture says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. What is the Holy Spirit saying to us? What's He conveying to us? Well, Peter tells us, All flesh is as grass, the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. The next verse. But the word of the Lord does what? Come on, say it. What? Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The thing that we stand on, the thing that gives us stability in the midst of all the, the, the storm and all the changing winds is the fact that we have a word from God. Oh, amen. John Wright Follett said you should always be living under the impact of a word from God. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Amen, brother. What's he saying? What are you getting in here? It's not enough just to, to, to get it from somebody else. Nothing wrong with listening to preachers. I listen to them all the time. But there's a word from the Holy Spirit that has impact in our lives that causes strength and stability and unshakableness, if such a word exists, in our lives. When everybody else is being tossed everywhere and afraid of the, you know, everything, the coronavirus and all the rest of it, you know, and all the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And oh, man, look at all the trouble that's on every side. And people ask me, you know, I hear I look at the I listen to these prophets and some of them prophesy that, that you know, it's going to be bad and, and all the bad things. And then others say it's going to be great. And who but who's right? You know who's right? All of them. Because all at the same time, all that's going to happen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but... How many are glad for the buts in the Bible? But... Somebody say, but... The Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory will be seen on you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Glory to God. So even though it's getting darker all around us, even though gross darkness is upon the people, so to speak, yet we understand this. The Lord Almighty is rising upon us, his people, and the glory of God is going to be seen on you. 
Come on, amen, hallelujah. God's glory is being seen on you. People go, wow, what is that? I remember uh, many years ago, right when I was first getting into the ministry, and I had a, a, a business, a water leak business. I fixed water leaks in cars, you know. And I used to go to all these dealerships. And one day I was in a dealership and I had worked on this car and I was filling out a, a, a receipt for the guy at the counter. And I'm just, you know, I'm at the counter and I'm just writing out this receipt and he's across the counter from me. And he looks at me and he says, man, what is it about you? I said, excuse me? Said, what is it about you? I said, what do you mean? I don't know. There's something about you. There's just something like I keep seeing like there's something about you. And I knew what he's talking about. <laughs> and I just smiled. And I said, you know what it is? He said, what? I said, it's Jesus. He went, oh. So he didn't, he didn't really want to hear that. But he couldn't help but notice that there was something about me. And that same something about me is the same something about you. Because Jesus shines through us. The glory of the Lord shines through us. Hallelujah. And they see it. So when the darkness is all around them and the hopelessness and the despair, yet they have somewhere to look. And the Bible says that kings will come to the brightness of your rising. How many think it'd be cool if one day you were going out to maybe go to work and you go out in your driveway and you get in your car and you look behind you and there's an entourage with a king and a whole bunch of his subjects coming up behind you and they come in your driveway. Of course, they got a big chest of gold. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? That, that's what it says. He said the, the wealth of the heathen, the wealth of the Gentiles is laid up for the, they're going to bring it, they're going to pour it into the body of Christ. We're living in exciting times, you guys. This is my eschatology. You're hearing my eschatology today. I'm so excited about the end time. I'm not afraid of it. See, the Antichrist is a failure. How many ever figured that one out? And the book of Revelation is not about the Antichrist. Or the beast. You might as well say, if you can't say amen, say, oh, me. <laughs> but it's all about Jesus because he is the victorious one. He is the triumphant one. He is the Lord of glory. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And if he's the king of kings, that makes you a king. And if he's the Lord of lords, that makes you a lord. And you have dominion in this world. You have something to say. And when everything around you seems to be in chaos, you can stand like that rock in the middle of the desert when the sands are blowing everywhere. And you can just say, peace, be still. I'm not moved by what I see. Hallelujah. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by the power of God. Right? And he, like Jimmy said, he, if God be for us. How many know you can't help but win? Come on, say it out loud. I can't help but win. 
The glory of the Lord is on me. The glory of the Lord is on me. Psalm 112, verse 5 says, A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. Man, see, we need to meditate in these things. Let's all read this together. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid. Let's, let's make it I. Say I. I will not be afraid of evil, evil tidings. My heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. My heart is established. I will not be afraid until I see my desire upon my enemies. Wow. God wants us to be unshakable. How do you become unshakable? You must have an unshakable substance in you. You have to have something that's greater than you. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? The word of God teaches us about the grace of God. And the grace of God is unshakable. And what is the grace of God? The Hebrew writer said, let us have grace. Take it. Take grace. Right? How do I take grace? We're going to go to my text today. I haven't gotten to the text yet. But we won't be much longer. Ephesians chapter 1. Now let me say this. There's an acronym for grace. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is divine influence upon the heart. Grace will make you unshakable. Grace will make you immovable because it's not based on your, your performance. See, we've had too much performance religion preached to us. Amen. You better do this and this and this and this or else, see. God doesn't talk that way. How many of all uh, have been serving the Lord for a little while and you've discovered God never talks that way? Why? Because he knows what his grace will do. And grace makes up where the, where the lack is. Amen? Amen. The Apostle Paul understood that. He learned about it. Remember, he had this thing called the thorn in the flesh. Right? And he said he, he sought the Lord three times. How many of y'all have ever had a problem or something you struggled with in your life and it, and it seemed to hang on for a long time? Come on, it's okay. You've got to be honest in church. And you prayed about it. How many maybe even prayed more than three times? <laughs> Paul only did it three times. I probably did 3,000. You know what I mean? God, I need your help with this. I, I, you know, what, what are we going to do with this thing? See? How am I going to do? And I'm not getting into what it actually was. People got weird ideas but, um, about Paul's thorn in the flesh, but we're not talking about that today. I'm just saying when he got to that place, he realized within himself there was a weakness. There was an inability to overcome that thing. And it would cause despair in him. And he says very plainly it was a messenger from the enemy. So the spirit was coming against Paul all the time. 
And he, and he went to the Lord and he put, I can imagine, he put all the armor of God, because he wrote Ephesians 6, so he would understand what that was, right? He put all the armor of God on and he prayed and he fasted and he prayed and God, I need your help. And he, and he didn't hear anything. Have you ever prayed and God just is silent? How many know he's strong like that? How many know you can't twist God's arm? You can't pull the wool over his eyes. And he's stubborn like that. He, he'll just, mm -hmm. And so three times, finally he cries out, and the Lord says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my, now listen, for my power is perfected in weakness. He's not saying I want you to be weak. Now, that's how people have interpreted it. Oh, make me weak, Lord, so your grace can... No, 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 no. What he's saying is when you encounter weakness, what you need is my grace because my grace comes into the middle of your weakness and it causes a strength that is absolutely divine. And even though it seems like you shouldn't be able to do this, like David said, through my God, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. There's a grace that's come into my life that's enabling me to do the thing I'm not capable of doing in my own strength. And that's what the grace of God is for. And I'm learning the more I... Let go <laughs> and let God, as they say, the more grace comes and the easier things become. Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if it's not easy and it's not light, quote a friend of mine, it's not God, right? And if I'm, got, I'm, I'm sweating and I'm working real hard to make it happen and it's not happening, then guess who's doing it? And guess what the truth is? When you stop, he starts. Amen. Somebody say amen. Ephesians, did we get there? Ephesians chapter 1? Are we up there? I want to read this. I want to read a, a bit. I want to read to all the way to chapter 2. So you don't mind reading the Bible with me, do you? Okay, so let's all read together. Ready? Read. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, notice what comes with grace. Amen. All right, let's keep going. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. What's has? Past tense. So you must be blessed. Is anybody in here blessed? Are you sure? You're positive you're blessed. You don't have a problem saying I'm blessed. All right, good. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Oh, my goodness. Go back to that one for a second, Barry, Perry. I want to tell you something. Uh, a couple years ago, the Holy Spirit instructed me to read the book of Ephesians every day. And I spent 
a number of months every single day reading the entire book of Ephesians. And one day I was reading it and I got to this verse. And something came up inside of me that was resisting it. I was, I was surprised. I was like, wow, what is that? There was a sense of resistance in my own heart. And it was particular about those words, he chose us or he chose me in him before the foundation of the world. And I said, wow. And what I realized is somewhere in my consciousness, because how many know the Holy Spirit works in your consciousness? And he, what they call the subconscious mind, that's your spirit. He, he's working in there. So there's a lot of stuff you may not even think on a conscious level that's going on in there, but the Holy Spirit and your spirit know all about it. And so what happens is while the Holy Spirit's working inside of you, these things will come up into your conscious mind. So this thing's coming up into my mind, and I'm saying, Lord, Lord what is that? There's this struggle in me to believe that I was chosen in him. And it took a little while, and the Holy Spirit kept re rehearsing that verse inside of me and said, You're, you were chosen before the foundation of the world. You were chosen before the foundation of the world. You were chosen before the foundation until it settled in me. And I got it. What does that mean? Have you ever thought about this? That we'll be holy and without blame. Now, now if you're here today and you have lived a perfect, blameless life, I want you to raise your hand. <laughs> So there's something in us that says, how is it possible that I could be holy and without blame? By his grace. See, he did this, oh, hallelujah, before you were born. So what does that mean? That means that all of my trying and all of my working to become acceptable to God is a total waste of time. Because before I was a twinkle in my mother's eye, before I was born, before I was, the, like he said to Jeremiah, he said, I knew you in the, before you were in the womb. See? How many know God knows a lot more about you than you know about you? <laughs> How many know he's got it all figured out? Come on. And who has known the mind of the Lord but the Spirit of God that, that he's put inside of us who searches out even the deep things of God? So the Holy Spirit's working on the inside of me to unearth everything that might be in there that would hinder me from embracing the truth of what the Scripture says about who I am in Christ. Wow. Hallelujah. And it's settled in me. I was chosen before. That means all of my sins are forgiven. They have to be. All of them. Past, present, and future. How many think you might maybe once in a while sin in your future? Maybe once in a while could possibly happen. How many think that could possibly happen? <laughs> You're all like, don't want to admit it. I want everybody to see me. No, I'm kidding. Could happen, right? But it's forgiven. 
I'm, as far as God is concerned, I'm holy and without blame before Him in love. What is that? That's grace. That puts us in a position where we can't be moved. See, the, the beautiful thing about the new covenant is you can't mess it up. <laughs> Let's keep going. Eddie Reed. Having predestined us. Keep going. Whoa, 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 whoa. To the praise. See, this is why we praise God in church and lift our hands and shout. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in him. Keep going. <laughs> we have redemption. According to what? What? Are y'all getting this? Amen. I want to sit down and be part of the audience with you. Let's keep going. In him, found toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself. You know, that, that's a theme he keeps saying, according to his good pleasure. See, here's the truth. God is so in love with you, and he thinks you're so wonderful. And, and it's all according to his good pleasure, because he purposed it all before he started it. Amen. Thank you for that, amen. He purposed it all before he even began it. Before the foundation of the world, before there was a sun in the sky, before there was ever a star, he purposed in his heart, according to his own good pleasure, he purposed in his heart to dispense his grace and to make you what he wanted you and he predestined you to be. And that is to be holy and without blame. And let me tell you something, holiness is a beautiful thing. Religion has made it ugly. Religion has made it, you can't have your hair this long or you can't have your hair this short or you can't, you ladies, you got to wear, you know, up here and all the way down there. And we, you know what I mean? And That's religion. That's not holiness. Holiness is wholeness. Real holiness means you're whole, brother. Body, soul, spirit. Whole before God. Complete in him. See, and according to the good pleasure of his will, he purposed to do this. Keep going. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Keep going. In him also... We have obtained an inheritance, having predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that he who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness in him who fills all in all. Now, let me sum that up for you, because there's a, a lot of superlatives in there, right? This is the mystery of the gospel. Somehow, on that weekend in the fullness of time, Jesus, when he went into that garden and he drank that cup, he took everything into himself. It said he summed up everything in heaven and in earth which means he took you and me into himself. And he took us, that old creation, and everything that man had done and failed, and every, every difficulty, every problem, every pain, every sickness. How many know when we say by his stripes we're healed, we're stating a fact? That's a fact. You don't have to struggle to be healed. It's a fact you are healed. Because he took 39 lashes on his back. You know, they say there are 39 major diseases in the world. And Jesus took 39 lashes, 40 minus 1. And it covered everything that man, every kind of disease, every kind of sickness that man could ever experience. Anything that came down from Adam and then the curse that came into the world, Jesus took it all in himself. It's a mystery. Our minds have a hard time wrapping around it. And he took it into the tomb and he put it to death. Hallelujah. All of my sin, all of the nature of it. He, he killed it. He, he, he put it to death and he buried it in the tomb. And on the third day, the father looked down and he said, I'm satisfied. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's, it's finished. It's complete. For all of mankind. And then he dispensed his grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was the greatest demonstration of the power of God ever that has ever happened. Greater than in creation. 
greater than making the sun and the stars and the moon and the universe, something greater than that. It was a greater demonstration of his power when he went down into that tomb and he raised up the Lord Jesus. But when he raised him up, guess who was in him? You were. I was. And he raised us up with him. And he didn't stop at earth. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, he stopped for a minute to say hi. But then he kept ascending. And he went up into heaven. And he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, so as to say it's complete. He presented his blood to the Father, and you were in him. (laughs) And I was in him. And so right now, if you can hear what I'm saying, you're actually sitting in heaven right now. You are right now. Far above any problem that you may think that you have. I'm talking about unshakable grace, man. See, when you see this, when you have revelation of this, you understand this, you stop being afraid. And who was the famous president that, that quote, you know, there's nothing to fear but fear itself? Right, FDR, yeah, thank you. Fear is, is false evidence appearing real. Wigglesworth said, fear knocked at my door, my faith answered, and nobody was there. (laughs) See, you're seated right now in heavenly places. Man, hallelujah, in Christ Jesus. And so Paul goes on, we won't read the rest of it, but Paul goes on to say, well, let's just go to to verse number, I think it's number six, Perry, chapter two, number six. Yeah, there it is. Everybody read. Ready? Read. You all got to get more excited than that, man. Do you understand what we're talking about here? Come on now. Let's read it again with some exuberance. Ready? And raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Keep going. That in the ages of come, he might show the exceeding riches of his and kind. Wow. Oh, my goodness. What's he doing? He's going to show forever, man. He's going to show you his kindness. And it's all wrapped up in the exceeding riches of his grace. Now, verse 8. Oh, it just gets better, man. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any. (laughs) That's the best part, man. (laughs) I don't have to work for it. I don't have to get enough faith. I tried for years to get faith and make it strong and do all these things that I thought would, you know, get me there. And one day, I, re- well, I was so exhausted, man. <laughs> I was just so tired of trying so hard. I just gave up. I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not working for it. 
And I started seeing this in my spirit, that the grace of God had already provided all the faith I would ever need. Because it says, by grace through faith. What comes first? Come on, y'all. Amen. Grace comes first. Amen. He rules the world, the, the old hymn says, with truth and grace. They got it wrong. He rules the world with grace and truth. John's gospel says, by him came the grace and truth of God. Grace is always before truth. Listen, this will help you in witnessing to people. Because a lot of times the people, they're in darkness. They can't see the truth. How many know you can see it as plain as the nose on your face and you're explaining it to them and they still can't see it. They just don't get it. They can't see the truth. Their eyes are blinded by the God of this world. But when you begin to show them the grace of God, when you begin to demonstrate the love of Jesus to people, all of a sudden they become hungry and they become interested and suddenly their eyes open up. Now they can begin to see the truth. Y'all in here what I'm saying? Amen. Praise God. That's what grace does. Not of works, lest anybody should boast. Why is that so good? Because there's no pride left. Because we're all on the same level. Every one of us. Every man. I love men. I love women of God. I honor them. I respect them. But I used to be afraid of them. I used to think those people were so spiritual, and I wasn't. But I'm not afraid of any man anymore. Because guess what? They're just like me and just like you. Amen. And whatever they got was given to them by the grace of God. I don't have an anointing that is mine that I possess. I just have the grace of God in my life. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Like Popeye, I am what I am, right? I am what I am. Why? How? By the grace of God. And that grace is immovable. It's unshakable. You can't overcome it. It's unconquerable. Because it's not based upon my performance. It's not based upon my works. It's not based upon your works. What happens to a person who begins to see this? They fall in love with Jesus. People say, well, you preach that grace so much, you give people a license to sin. Listen, man, they've been sinning long before they ever heard me preaching. And they don't need no license to do it. <laughs> right? So that's nonsense. The grace of God doesn't make you want to sin. The grace of God enables you not to sin. How shall we who died to sin live any longer therein? Paul's arguing the grace of God has done so much that it's really impossible for you to live in sin when you understand what the grace of God has done. Because you just get near it and the grace comes on. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I am what I am. Everybody said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Say, he chose me before the world ever was. 
before I ever was. He chose me in Christ. I didn't have to work for it. I don't have to earn it. Listen, I don't have to feel good enough. Because a lot of us, if we, the truth be known, our feelings have a lot to do with the way we behave. Well, I feel spiritual today, so the Lord must love me. Bat. Wrong answer. Right? I heard a man say, I feel just as good when I don't feel good as I do when I do feel good. I'm not moved by what I feel. It has nothing to do with it. Nothing whatsoever. My faith is not based on the way I feel one bit. Amen. I done preached myself happy, man. I don't know about you all, but I'm feeling good. Glory to God. But it's all by grace. And I want you to receive that today. Receive that into your heart. Say it. I am, Lord, everything that you want me to be by your grace. I'm not going to try and work for it. It's not hard to be a Christian because your yoke is easy and your burden is light and your grace is sufficient for me, even in my weak spots, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.